Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. Oh, we have a really confused Chris here tonight. I have no idea what I've just watched. <laughs> I'm clueless. What the? F- what was that meant to... What was that? So, um, for tonight's film, we, uh, we dipped into our request vault, um, which has plenty of uh, interesting films within it. And we dug out Funny Man, uh, released in 1994, directed by Simon Spracklin. And uh, it was made on a £50,000 budget, because it is a British production. It is. Um, My memory of this film, because I do have one prior to this, is uh, much like Demon Wind, and we know that one. Um, It was a trailer I'd always see on the Horror Channel when I was younger, and I I was always so curious as to what the fuck this film was. Honestly, the trailer's weird, but the trailer doesn't even do it justice. You have to see this film to believe it. Yeah, I, d- I, d- I didn't know what was going on half the time. Uh, no? No, there's some fun kills from that, the fact that it's quite, um, psychedelic is the word I, I want well, to say. This is what confuses me, because it's, I don't know if I could call it a good film, No. but at the same time... It is funny, and it was intended to be a comedy, and also at the same time, it was very well made. So, it's on in a weird on a weird fence, a, a weird fence between good and bad. Um, yeah, I didn't find it particularly funny. Did you not? No. Okay. Um, for me, <laughs> it was kind of like if Clive Barker directed a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. There's a lot of Clive Barker-esque moments, yeah, I found. Yeah, then add a little bit of, like... It wanted to be Freddy Krueger. Farrelly Brothers as well. Yeah. Is it Farrelly? Farrelly? They did Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Add the old fart joke in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fart joke was so <laughs> random, it actually caught me off guard and was actually... Yeah, actually, I'd be laughing for a while. I, I think one... When we get into it, you'll understand what yeah. I mean. Well, a bit of trivia. Christopher Lee filmed... Because Christopher Lee is in this film. I don't know how they got him, but Christopher Lee is in this film. Okay, we love Christopher Lee, but he, he must have been in over a hundred <laughs> films. True. I, I think his filmography's one of the largest in history. Yeah. He was in a lot of films, so I don't think it was that difficult to get I suppose, it. I suppose. He was in Howling 2, Sturbo Elf, bitch, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he was quite prominent in that film. And that, yeah. That's worse than this film. Well, this may shock you, but he filmed his role in one day. <laughs> no, it doesn't shock me. It doesn't. Um, this is the last theatrical film of Ed Bishop. I'm not sure who Ed Bishop actually played. I'm not sure who that was. Uh, Cast and crew members were repeatedly under the influence of drugs. Does that surprise you? It doesn't surprise me (laughs) one bit. Yeah. Not even even close to being surprised. Um, It it was uh, initially intended to be a serious horror film. Um, But Tim James, who plays the title character, he evolved his character so much during production... Um, to the point that he, he was just improvising everything and Spracklin was just like, yeah, just fuck the script, do what you want. 
So it is pretty much made up on the spot, a lot of this. Yeah, I can't... But the the kills are comedy kills. Yeah. I don't know how this was intended to be serious. I'm I just, don't... It is yeah. coming off the back of Nightmare on Elm Street, though. Yeah, yeah. I, and the, sequ- well, the sequels to Nightmare well, on Elm Street. Well, I was going to say, this is ten years after the original. Yeah. I, I can understand what they were going with. And he is a bit Freddy Krueger-ish, isn't he? He's also... The whole thing is... Can you have a quick look on your phone and see when Rob Paul Stiltskin was released? Because this is very, very Rumpelstiltskin. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It, no. This, like, literally, he looks like Rumpelstiltskin, the main character. He, you know, the the quips and everything. It's very, very much... Either this ripped that off or Rumpelstiltskin ripped this off. I wouldn't say that this film... Well... Would it have got for the a character, for the character, it, 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 honestly, if you see it, you'd see what I mean. It's Rumple Stilt Skin. Yeah. Am I spelling it wrong? I can't find it. R U M P L E S T I L T S K I N. Oh, 95. 95. So this is released in 94. So, oh, that's very close then. One of them has lent one thing from the other. I'm telling you now, you, you need to see it to understand why. It's, yeah, there the are striking similarities there. Well, it's a bit of leprechaun as well. It is a very leprechaun as well, yeah, that's true. Um, Another interesting fact is this actually stars Pauline Black, who, uh, a bit of a... Uh, Bit of a local celebrity. She is, yeah, a bit of a local legend. She's she's from our hometown of Coventry. Um, well, I don't know if she's from here. I think she's originally from Essex, actually, but she lives in Coventry. And uh, she is the front lady for Scar Band and the Selector. And yeah, cracking band, actually. Yeah, one, one of my favourite Scar bands. I've met Pauline on a number of occasions. She's a lovely woman. Um, what she was thinking to take this role... I don't know. I, 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 I felt she did the... She did the best with what she had. a bit of a comedy role. I, I really can't comprehend how this was ever going to be a serious film. Yeah, she, she hams it up. Yeah. And, and that makes the role entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um, but, fuck me. <laughs> I mean, imagine reading this script and then deciding to take this role. Yeah, that's true. I honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud to be from the same uh, city as uh, someone who who was in this film. What her character's called Psychic Commando. <laughs> she is Psychic Commando. She basically, yeah. Yeah. She's the Psychic Commando. Well, uh, a a bit of plot. Um, after winning an English stately house in a game of poker, a record producer finds it to be haunted by a demonic jester intent on murdering his family. Well, I mean, I don't know about intent on murdering his family considering they're murdered within the first 20 minutes. They are the first ones to go. Um, the film opens with uh, some people wearing fancy shirts and playing poker. And the opening line of dialogue, I've seen amputees with better hand than this. Yeah, they're in like a boiler room. Yeah, this... I, I think maybe budgetary constraints. Budget, yeah. Um, but yeah, they look like they're in some sort of underground bunker playing poker. But then there's like a bar and a waiter serving cocktails. I think it's meant to be America that they're in. Um, 
Uh, yeah, there's a couple of American characters, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, around the table. And Christopher Lee, I mean, obviously, you know, like I said, we watched him in Howling 2, which was a, another, you know, trash the piece. Um, he actually didn't look like he minded being there in uh, Howling 2. He didn't look like he was dying on the inside. However, when we first see him in this film, he looks like he's dying on the inside. He, he, he does not want to be there no. at all. He's immediately thinking, why the fuck did I choose this role? He probably got paid the most out of oh, everyone yeah. for yeah. a day's work. I mean, and, and it's one of those things, just having Christopher Lee on the poster, it gets people's interest. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this film does have a big a big cult following. Um, I do know that much. Uh, I mean, we, we had a comment on Instagram for someone who's saying that, you know, this is an underappreciated cool classic and the person who commented that is actually he has a little bit of an obsession with his film like it was his profile picture for a while uh, doesn't mean it's an obsession <laughs> I, 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 he posts a lot about it <laughs> like I mean you know there's a there's a lot to be enjoyed here I mean I, I don't know what exactly is going on but it is it's, it's entertaining uh, yeah I can imagine it's one of those beers with the guys round sort of films or um having a spliff and watching this honestly if you watch this film on drugs i'm sure that could probably be dangerous yeah. <laughs> like i mean yeah well let's when in rome you'll um you'll yeah you'll uh you'll see why once we discuss it a little more um christopher lee is gambling the key to his english mansion uh that has brought him great pleasure and good fortune and there's a guy there with a green shirt, his name is Max, and uh, he bets his credit card on it, and he calls Christopher Lee Mr. Whippy. Yeah, so he's, this guy's, I, I just described him as douchey Scottish man. Yeah, and and FYI, any non-British listeners, there's going to be a lot of things in this episode you are not going to get. This is probably the most British film we've covered today. This is, <laughs> yeah, this is the most British film. Uh, this, so there's going to be a lot of references that you might not understand. This is British culture at its finest. I'll try and... Um, translate. Translate a few of them, but that's, yeah. That's a fucking reference to Leicester in the credits. Like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Yeah, so douchey Scottish guy um, calls the bluff of the weirdo in the white suit, who's Christopher Lee. Mr. Whippy. Yeah, so Christopher Lee um, Bates um, bets his stately home, which he predicts is worth a million pounds. And the douchey guy, who we find out is a music producer, um, puts his credit card down to match that a million pounds. They show their hands. Christopher Lee has a pair. Mm -hmm. And the Music producer. I don't know anyone's name in this film. Max. Max. Max uh, produces a royal flush. But only because he's used his wild card, the Joker. Yeah. So there we go. A little bit of uh, foreboding there. Oh, yeah. And then uh, to top it off, Chris Felly turns to him and he says, You're a funny man, Mr. Taylor. Oh! The name of the film. Go on, ominous Christopher Lee. And then we get the title card, just to remind you that's the name of the film. And uh, we get the opening credits with a van driving through the English countryside. 
Yeah, but um, I was a little confused to begin with because it was a very American song playing. Yeah. So you, you've we've watched um, what's that slasher film with Caroline Monroe in? Slaughter High. High. Yeah. You know that Slaughter High that uh, it was a very very clearly a British production. Yeah. Trying to be an American film, and I thought that's what we were going to get here. You could have been no, any more wrong. I was, I was wrong. For some reason, they're playing some sort of country music on in on the radio. But yeah. That's about it. That's really. the most American thing you'll get in this yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this van's driving along. You see in there, property of Max Taylor. So we know this is the stuff belonged to the guy who just went the house on its way to the house. Uh, and then we get four colourful characters on <laughs> yeah. the side of the road. Yeah. We get um, Valma from Scooby Doo. Yeah. Like, no exaggeration. She is literally called Valma, and she is dressed as Valma from Scooby-Doo. Yeah, exactly. With a shit American accent. Same hair, same glasses, same frumpy jumper. It is literally meant to be that character in this film. And this is this where film. I don't understand. Was the original script... Did the original script have this character in? It, yeah, I think it's bullshit. There's no way. a serious film. You cannot have a character... <laughs> based completely <laughs> on Velma from Scooby-Doo and have it as a serious <laughs> horror film. There's absolutely no way. Uh, played by uh, Rona Cameron. Okay. Who is uh, a fairly well-known British comedian. Uh, she was on the first series of the British version of um, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, next... I mean, she's unrecognisable because yeah. she's got, like, a big wig on and big glasses. And a yeah. shit American accent. And a shit American accent. Yeah, I do believe she's um, Irish or Scottish. She might be Scottish, excuse me. Well, she's joined by... I, I don't have the, the names for these characters. She's joined by Pauline Black, which is what we'll know her as because, I mean, you know... It's going to be a bit of a challenge to call her Psychic Commando every time we talk about psychic her. Psychic Commando. Um, so she's got Pauline with her and she's got um, a, a hippie with her. That's all I know him as, is a hippie. Um, yeah, he's a bit of a hippie. Yeah, yeah. and someone, uh, you know, in great horror called Trash of her tradition, someone with a whopping moustache. Yes, big meaty moustache, um, big British bulldog t-shirt. Not not the wrestler, but an actual bulldog. Yeah. Uh, very very much. Oh, uh, like should have been cast in Coronation Street. Yeah. If he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, but very very much a uh, what we would call a, a Brexiteer now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thinks someone who thinks all the foreigners are taking our jobs. Essentially, yeah. loves the cracking pair of tits. <laughs> yeah, he does. And loves a pint of Carlin. <laughs> Carlin down the boozer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but can we talk about Pauline Black's outfit? Because she was giving me life. She was giving me Pam Greer. She was serving pure Pam Greer. She was giving me Foxy Brown. Yeah. She was serving. A massive afro. Big she, hoop energy. Big hoop energy. Max. She looked amazing. She did. Great representation for Coventry there. Um, and um, this fan pulls up beside him and uh, he's like, where are you going? And she's like, Hal and back, man. I'm not even going to do the impression because that would be really inappropriate. That would but be very inappropriate. She has got the thickest 
Jamaican accent in this film. Yeah. Don't remember having that when I spoke to her in real life, but she really, really lays it on for this film. Like, and every time she speaks, it is like it's amplified. It's she makes her presence known. Sometimes it's difficult to understand what she's saying. Yeah. Um, what's funny is she could have easily got in the van. They could have drove off. It didn't look like she knew the other three people. And for the rest of the film, it's pretty evident she doesn't know the other three people that she's standing there with. No. But um, they all they all just climb in the van. They do. He, and the guy's like, "Look, just get in, and we get off, and it's just be me and you." But um, no, the, the rest of the, the rest of the Scooby Gang are all there uh, climbing, <laughs> and uh, next minute they're all off on a road trip. They are. They're in the back of the van, and the bulldog guy. He's reading a dirty magazine mm-hmm. in the back of the van. The pre-internet days. Pre-internet days. Uh, Pauline's doing a tarot cards, and uh, Valma's got a pair of binoculars. Yeah, she has. Yeah, she's at the front and she's she's laying it on thick with the Velma <laughs> uh, accent and impression. Um, Max and his family, uh, his daughter, son and wife arrive at the uh, big mansion whilst uh, Pauline draws a tarot card with the fool on it. Tarot. Tarot, whatever. Um, <laughs> they they fought in within this mansion and there's a room with all Jester stuff in it. And uh, the kid, the youngest kid of the family, is walking around with a fucking motorbike helmet on for some reason. Uh, we get absolutely no character development with the family. No, um, no, we don't actually. Before they're all picked off, but uh, yeah, we get on exploring the mansion for a bit. They enter a games room. Yeah, the kid doesn't understand what a games room is. <laughs> so Max says. This is a games room, a room for playing games in. <laughs> yeah, and, and the kid does not get it. And the kid's voice, honestly, you'd think he was in an Italian zombie film. <laughs> yeah. he, it is so badly dubbed. He it is, is really unbelievable. Like, it, his voice does not match his face at all. He's like, Daddy, what's a games room? <laughs> yeah, he <does. laughs> he's like this yeah. proper thick Cockney accent. Yeah, he's like someone from Oliver. <laughs> yeah, his dad's Scottish. But, um,. Yes. Mum's American. Yeah. We find out that the guy driving the van is actually Max's brother. Um, and whilst he's driving the van, he is almost pulling the steering wheel off the van itself. Yeah. I, I just... I don't know... Like, again, I keep going back to this. But there's so many choices, regardless of the funny man, that make this a comedy. Yeah. He's there and his steering wheel's going <laughs> absolutely mental. <laughs> Well, Max's wife, um, she's apparently she's too rich to be unhappy, and she doesn't like the mansion. She hates it. She's she's getting bad vibes. And, uh, and she's as, right. Yeah, because as she's getting those bad vibes, we get Funny Man rising from the ground in the same style as Frank in Hellraiser. This is where I was getting the Clive Barker. Did that ah, not serve pure yeah, Hellraiser to you? That's true, actually. Um, and. Uh, after this, someone says, what are you up to? Someone says, none of your business. Who? What character was that? I didn't write it down. I have no idea. Um, okay, well, that's asked. Oh, yes, no, it's the daughter and the son. Um, so the daughter's like, what are you up to? And, of course, the kid with his great axe is like, none of your business! And then uh, we get a shot of Funny Man, our uh, antagonist, um, yeah, yeah, antagonist. On, on top of the house, and he gives a thumbs up. 
um, whilst Max and his wife are doing cocaine in uh, <laughs> yeah. in some room. I don't know what room this is, but it's some room. Yeah, because Max said earlier, didn't he? He's um, when he was at the um, poker game. I've got two kids and a coke habit to feed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so they're snorting the cocaine. Yeah, the funny man's having a walk around in the house and uh, he comes across the kid. Yeah, I, I think the kid was giving me uh, Danny Torrance in The Shining. Yeah. Walking around the, the mansion. It, it, I think there's a lot of references to horror films. I think so. Uh, well, and to films in general, should I say. Yeah. In this. And that that was definitely giving me uh, The Shining. Yeah, they, they start walking around in a circle um, around this pillar. And, uh, and then we get a shot, a random shot of uh, Pauline saying, Funny man! Yeah. She just like screams at the camera. And She's definitely psychic. <laughs> yeah. And they're still doing coke in this room. And we get a, a point of view from a keyhole. Well, they're about to get saucy, aren't they? Yeah. And the kid's like, Oi, mommy, daddy, are you having sexual intercourse? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of fucking question is that? Well, it turns out it's not even the kid. No. and Well, the dad replies, not at the moment. Um, and then we see through the keyhole, and that's actually Funny Man talking as the kid. And then he walks away, dragging the kid's corpse. So yeah, first death as a child. As a child. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So uh, he drags him away, and he he makes a joke about how you should always put kids to bed early. And then we get a random shot of Christopher Lee saying wise words. Yeah, at the beginning of this film, Christopher Lee does some random voiceovers doesn't he yeah it doesn't really continue you just get random shots every time someone dies you get a random shot of him either just looking at the camera gormlessly or just saying something or or peering through like a um house of cards yeah yeah i I don't fucking get this film i don't understand Uh, what it's well i mean technically neither did the makers they're all high yeah so just throw some ideas <laughs> together and hope for the best. Yeah. Well, the hippie guy's in the back of the van playing with his Punch and Judy. <laughs> Which dolls. will come back later on. So he's um, a bit of a revisionist Punch and Judy story <laughs> where uh, where Ju- Judy goes to the women's refuge. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, apparently, I, I, I wasn't aware of this until the film said it, but in... Uh, punch, punch and Judy, Punch actually kills Judy. I think that is the case. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to explain to our non-UK listeners what no, Punch I and think Judy it is? Does it? I think Punch and Judy translates. Okay. Yeah. If not, Google it. But yeah, no, I think that translates. Um. Yeah. So he's doing his Punch and Judy show in the back of the van. Uh, and then this is where I got really confused because Max started listening to some cassette tapes. Yeah. And then every scene with him after that just confused the shit out of me. Like, it just delves into this weird psychedelic world whilst everything else is going on. Mm. Um, it, it made the least sense out of everything in this film, and that's saying a lot. Um, so, yeah. So And then uh, after this, we get the wife, she's wandering around the mansion... And uh, we hear the kid's voice again. It's like, Oi, mummy, try and find me. 
And uh, she enters uh, the love gallery. Yeah, so it's a room full of, like, statues, but then also, like, loads of sheets. It looks like it belongs in the hunger. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah wow. No, not, it's not quite total eclipse of the heart. <laughs> These, this is like the sheets you put down when you're about to paint your ceiling. It's a... Uh, Art gallery of sorts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's she's viewing the art, and funny man pops up next to her, and he's like, "Do you come here often?" <laughs> but there's uh, signs hanging off statues, and uh, two of them have got wrote down. One says "knobby," and the other says "big tits." Yeah. <laughs> um, we get a bit of fourth wall breaking from uh, funny man he looks at the camera you you know he's uh, he knows this is a film yeah she's just ran away from him hasn't she yeah and he's like hey, you got loads of birds down here and it's like uh, and what what was the nationality you said there's two uh, Swedish two, two Swedish girls down here so I'm not that I'd know what to do with them <laughs> and I couldn't make out if he was northern or Welsh oh I don't know he was like yeah. a weird mix between the two yeah um, his accent changed throughout the film I found. I, I used to work um, in a in a call centre where I'd, I'd have loads of uh, angry callers and he actually sounds like one of my old persistent callers. Who was from Manchester. Who was from Manchester, so I've got a feeling... It's a little bit of everything. Yeah. I think Funny Man might be from Manchester and I think I may have uh, used to have bad calls from him. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there's a bit of fourth wall breaking. Um, she runs back and forth, the wife. She... Because it's, it's like some sort of maze now. Um, where every time she leaves, she keeps going back into this room. Yes, yeah, so it's the whole uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4 thing. Yeah, where yeah. every time she thinks she's escaped, she ends up back in. And it says, welcome to the love gallery. Yeah, and uh, and funny man says, cheer up, love. There is some good news. I brought you this. And then he beats his death with a club. Well, he sexually assaults her first. Yeah, he, he gives her gives her a kiss. A kiss yeah, her. and then, uh, then he beats her to death. Yeah. Yeah, that's her gone. Uh, so that's the premise of the film. <laughs> Almost totally yeah, wished yeah, away. Yeah, pretty much. And then... Uh, <laughs> Christopher Lee's very happy with this. Yeah, he claps. Christopher Lee has a clap about it. Yeah. And then uh, Funny Man, in a scene that was blatantly taken straight from Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare, um, he sneaks up on the daughter of the family who is playing a Game Boy. What game is she playing? She's playing Super Mario Land. And um, he sneaks up behind her and he starts dancing behind her in the same way Freddy Krueger dances behind Carlos in the uh, Got Your Ear Carlos scene with oh, the ear yeah. and aid. And, um, yeah, so it, it's very much taken straight from that. He's he's dancing around behind her. And, uh, well, she's got her earphones in. She's she? got her earphones in and she's shouting at a game. She's like, come on, jump. So he starts jumping behind her and then uh, he electrocutes her, sets her on fire. Yeah, takes her earphones, well, headphones off and replaces them with uh, jump leads. And these are really fucking good death scenes. Like They are. They're really inventive. well made they as well. They are inventive. They're, they're probably the highlight of the film. Yeah, some great practical effects. Yeah. And the set designs are fantastic. The set designs are like... They, I mean, they're all weird, but yeah. they look good. You can tell yeah. a lot of work went into it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's, I do have to give it credit for that. Yeah. Um. She set ablaze. Yeah, she set ablaze. And, um. And then uh, Max is screaming with some flying cars. Yeah, I've just got wrote down, fuck knows what's going on with him. Yeah, I don't know what, 
he it's his scenes in the film that make no sense. Yeah. The van arrives and Pauline now has blood on her hands mm. from the card. She's definitely sensing something's up. Yeah, and uh, Max's brother takes all the strangers into the mansion with him. So not only did he pick up these four random hitchhikers that he doesn't know, um, but he also takes them into his rich brother's mansion, not knowing them. Yeah, because it's a slasher film. D- yeah, victims. of course. <laughs> He's already killed the family. <laughs> yeah. So um, he takes them into the mansion, and this is when Pauline just takes over the film. It's like, yeah, this is her film now. She starts uh, taunting Funny Man and um, makes a really odd noise that everyone can't listen to because it's like piercing their ears. And she's just like trying to take him on, ain't she? Yeah, she's just going to kick his ass. Yeah. Yeah, she does some... um... I want to say it's a bit like what Shakira did at the Super Bowl this year. (laughs) Well, it was. Do you think Shakira based it off this? Yes, of course. (laughs) Um, Val, they're all moving stuff in to the mansion apart from Pauline who's there just shouting at funny man and um, Valma's bending over to move a crate and we see her underwear and uh, she leans back up and she farts she does it's just a random fart and the stash guy looks at her like she just killed his mum yeah <laughs> so you can see the, the sort of sense of humour we're going to get um, Pauline starts injecting herself with something. Yeah, some green shit. Yeah. It makes... Oh, this makes sense now to what happens with a hand later on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know what was going she's on. Got, but... She's got bad vibes. Yeah. And she says uh, there's a whole heap of shit here. <laughs> <laughs> she's <went> wrong. <laughs> so, in classic Scooby-Doo slash slasher style, everyone splits up to search the mansion for, uh... For Max's brother, uh, for, uh, for Max, sorry. And uh, this is basically Pauline's disappeared on her travels somewhere. Um, Valma is on her own. Max's brother disappears for a large chunk of the film, considering he's technically the main character. Um, and then Mustache and Hippie go off together in the woods. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then Funny Man, he's. <laughs> Pissing on the side of the van. He starts having to piss at the side of the van and into the van. And his dick is basically a big horn. Well, it's a cod piece. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's a cod piece, but it's like curved. And it looks like a hose has been attached to it. Yeah. And he's just pissing all over the van. <laughs> and then inside the van. And then whilst he's inside the van, he finds... <laughs> the dirty magazine. He does, and then he says the, my favourite line of dialogue. <laughs> Sorted. I'm off for a toss, me. <laughs> um, for our non-English, <sighs> not non-UK listeners, a toss is uh, giving yourself a treat. It's uh, masturbation yeah, to our you. American Thank listeners. You. Thank you, Doctor <laughs> Doctor Gary. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but Pauline starts uh, burning the tarot cards and uh, this, in turn, burns the porn mag for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, mean, I can't explain it. And Moustache um, Guy's a little cold wandering around outside and he says, he, I have a favourite line of dialogue, I've got my balls halfway up my ass, shivering. <laughs> Would you like to translate that, please? 
No, I think they know. Balls and ass. Uh, it means he's cold. <laughs> so the hippie and Mustache are um, going around the woods and they find a severed head. But Mustache seems to think that this is a football. Um, so he gives it a kick and to get extra British... He says, there's not a goalkeeper alive that can save that. And uh, Funny Man... What accent are you giving him? That was moustache. He sounds like Funny Man. They've both got the northern accent at this stage. Um, Funny Man's now a goalkeeper in full football gear. And uh, he saves it, of course. And uh, starts kicking it around a bit. Yeah, it does, yeah. And that's... Whose head was it? I assume... Was it the wife's head? No. I can figure it out. Maybe the daughter? Oh. I don't know. It, yeah, it wasn't really explained whose head that was. Um, Pauline ends up on some kind of weird staircase to a model village. She does, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. It's. She just it, goes down a really long staircase, Yeah. And then, yeah. But she's walking on the railings. She's not actually walking on the stairs. And then, once she gets down there, it's not a model village anymore. It's a proper village. And again, with some ridiculously good production design. But, it, this makes no sense. It's to... I, yeah, I, I don't even... Well, it's called Sod's Law. Population 1. Yeah. And so this is... I mean, this is assumingly where Funny Man lives. Yeah. Um, in this weird little village. And... Uh, Pauline hates... She hates small towns, apparently. Yeah, yeah I didn't get that. Um, well, yeah, I don't know what that was meant to be uh, a nod at. Velma finds a duck feather. Yeah. Max uh, is now... On a cocaine slide. Yeah, on like, he finds a massive line of cocaine leading up to a big, funny man nostril. Yeah. Yeah, and then he's pulled up the line of coke to the top of the chimney... And then back down again. Yeah, Funny Man's up there with him at the top of the chimney for a little bit. Yeah, and that that's that's what happens. Yeah. And we're not making any of this shit up. No. This is this point? is actually what happens in this film. Yeah, and then Pauline's in the village. There's a, a house with a load of gnomes outside it. Yeah, there's a dead body on a stick. Yeah. I'm assuming that's a nod to Cannibal Holocaust. I assume so. Um, Valma... Here's some duck noises. So she goes for um she goes for a little wander around in the kitchen looking for this duck and she's she's calling it out she's, duck, where are you? Duck with with a shit American accent. <laughs> she finds a rubber chicken in a big cooking pot, um, big saucepan, and funny man pops up out of it behind her with his binoculars and uh for some reason Max slides through or some sort of... Yeah, so... Funny Man's behind her... Yeah. ...with a big cartoon-looking gun. Yeah. And so she keeps sort of investigating to the left, and he goes to the right. So he's trying to shoot her, but she keeps going back and forth, and he's getting ready. A very slapstick moment. Yeah. Um... And then... So when she's in the middle and he's ready to shoot her, Max comes through on some sort of fucking trolley or something... <laughs> And shouts, duck. <laughs> and she goes, where? 
and then get shot in the back of the head. But it doesn't make a head explode. Oh no. It makes a brain with her glasses and her eyes attached to it fly out of her head. Again, fucking stupidly good practical effects for this film. It's like Zombie Flesh Eaters 2. It is so like Zombie Flesh Eaters 2. And they open the fridge and the head pops out. Pauline finds a load of mug shots of all the victims. And the ones who have died, they're all holding up a sign saying sorted. Yeah. <laughs> Mustache finds um, a nightclub in the middle of the woods uh, called Club Sexy. And it's literally a door... With, uh, like, bits of, what was, are they tassels? Or? Yeah, like tinsel tassel. Yeah, and, 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 and with the sign, it. with yeah. the sign above it that says Club Sexy. Um, and he investigates, of course, goes in. Funny man's in there in the tux, and he's like, evening. Mustache is like, alright. And then Funny man's like, alright. And then Mustache is like, evening. And they repeat this about five times. They do, actually. It goes on a while. Um... And then, apparently, to go into this club, again, this is no bullshit, apparently to go into this club, Mustache needs to wear a wig. And a wig will determine um, what sort of music's going to be in there. Yeah. Um, So, apparently, it's Psychedelic Wig Evening, it's called. And the first wig he tries on is 70s dance music. And he's like, are you into that? Are you into that? He's like, you're getting some, are you getting a bit? Uh, I, he's just saying random shit at this point. Um, it's an afro, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's an afro. And Sasha's like, no, nah, not, not quite this one. So he's like, okay then. Try on this one, it's classical. A lot of the old biddies like it. And uh, he tries on this Einstein wig. And it's classical music. Mozart. Mozart. And, uh, and then... He's still weren't happy with that, so he gives him this Oasis-looking 90s rage wig. And it, you'd expect it to play a bit of Britpop, but instead it plays some sort of 90s rave music. Yeah, I don't get What's 90s rage music? And why was it a Gallagher Brothers wig? Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> Which didn't actually look too dissimilar to his real hair. No! <laughs> and he's told it's 43 quid. Yeah, £43, exactly. Yeah, 43 quid, I'll take it. So, um, next minute, Funny Man is now in drag, and working behind the bar. And uh, Mustache recognises him, he's like, is this a family business? (laughs) And uh, like, what can I get you? And he's like, oh, I'll have have a lager. And they're like, okay, would you like a complimentary lager? And he's like, yeah, yeah, go on then. So that's £17.63. It turns out the lager is called complimentary. Uh, and uh, the barman's, well, the bar lady at this stage is like, uh, we'll call it 20 quid, but then it's £5 service charge and £5 uh, for chair usage, even though the guy's standing up. Um, he, he pays this money and goes into the club, uh, in which case, uh, after this, funny man lifts his legs up, shows his shoes, and is like, I've got my ass kicking boots on tonight. There's a giant cock table. There is. In the middle of the nightclub. Yeah, um, with like dry ice coming out of it. Yeah. And, um, and, I mean, first of all, imagine being the guy who made the cock table. What an achievement that would be. Um, 
And, uh, and so Mustache is like, what can you get for 76 quid these days? We're getting a burger. Bargain. Yeah, bargain. Um, Sorry, I'm a, I'm a little lost in this fucking film. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, because at this stage, paper starts flying everywhere in the mansion. Yeah, yeah so um, paper's flying everywhere. And the hippie finds the kid's corpse. Yeah, he follows the sound of a child singing. Yeah. And finds the kid's body. And he says, fuck my ass." He does, actually. He literally runs into a wall. Yeah. And gets stuck in the wall. So the top of his head has somehow magically sort of become part of a Punch and Judy show on the beach. Yeah. Tony Man's on the beach. He's on the beach. Reading a newspaper. What's the top story of the day? Emma Thompson, very good at acting. That's that's (laughs) true. That's not false news. That's true news. Then there's some news in there about England as well. Um, About football. Yeah, he sat on a deck chair... At the beach, he's waiting for the Punch and Judy show. Half a hippie's head is part of the Punch and Judy show. Um, <laughs> there's some creepy looking Punch and Judys there, and they're having an argument. And they're like, "What's this in the middle?" and all that. And Punch is like, "Oh, I know how to get rid of it." And he's like, "He calls, uh, he calls Judy an old slag bag." That's true. Would you like to explain what a slag bag is? Well, I know what a slag <laughs> is. I'm not sure what a slag bag is. A slag is a hoe, basically. <laughs> a, um... A, yeah. But I don't know what a slag bag is. Um, it's at this stage when Funny Man makes the transition to being Welsh as well. Yes, it is, yeah. Uh, he, has like a Wel- he has a Wales flag behind him. and he, He's got a Welsh accent now. So um, Punch knows how to resolve the issue with this big fat head in the middle of him <laughs> and puts a bomb on top of it. His head. Yeah. And his head explodes. Yeah, yeah. So it explodes. So the Punch and Judy show on the beach explodes, which makes, back at the mansion, the hippie, half the hippie's head blow up. Yeah. So then he's running around with half a head. And then he collapses and dies. Yeah, and uh, Funny Man says you can't whack a good bit of family entertainment. That's true. And he starts singing, I do love to be beside the seaside. <laughs> Somehow, there's a camera beside him and Pauline's watching him. Yeah, so Pauline's in his hut or wherever he lives. Yeah, she tells him that she's taking a shit on his bed. Yeah, she does, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you dirty cow! <laughs> um... A hand is going crazy at this point. Yeah, it's... Her yeah. uh, hand's, like, mutating. The one she's injected. Um, her finger's, like, really separating. And it's, like, pulsating. It looks like something out of a Cronenberg film. Um, and uh, then... Funny Man can somehow be in two places at once. And puts on a drag show for Moustache. This isn't just any drag show, though. He uh, gets his boobs out. Welcome to Burlesque. Looks very much like um, Trinity, the Tuck Taylor from Drag Race, when she did her old person suit. Oh, God. Also, like you pointed out, does also look like one of the cock destroyers as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's big tits with these, like, tassels, but not covering the nipples, hanging off the nipples. Yeah. Yeah, and do, doing a striptease for old moustache guy. Moustache says, bloody hell, 
I feel like I've died and gone to Rotherham. Rotherham. <laughs> Please explain what Rotherham is. Um, well, Rotherham's just a town in the UK. I didn't know there was anything special about Rotherham until this film, apparently. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's a bit of a plain town. It's not really famous yeah. for anything. So, there um, we go. So... It's just a bit much for Moustache Man feeling like he's in Rotherham. So he goes outside for a cig. Um, and Funny Man joins him. And one of the funniest actual conversations... Funny so not Funny Man in drag. Yeah, there's an actual Funny, funny man, man in his full outfit, jester outfit. And uh, one of the funniest conversations in the film. Um, <laughs> funny Man, he... Uh, he says, uh, oh, yeah, you've seen any lasses about and all that. Well, Moustache is looking for a shag from yeah. Funny Man Drag. He's like, uh, oh, you're looking for a bird, are you? Was she a bit of a scrubber? And he's like, yeah, yeah, a bit of a scrubber. And he's like, oh, does she have a hairy arsehole? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Moustache is like, oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, uh, well, that's my wife you're looking for. And uh, Moustache is like, oh, she has a smashing personality. And then uh, this funny man starts squaring up to him. And he's like, you want some? You want some? And um, they have a little bit of a scrap. Um, a really half-assed scrap. And then <laughs> funny man stabs moustache in the eye with a heel. Well, the joke is that funny man's like, do you get my point? <laughs> yeah. And moustache guy is like, yeah, yeah, I get the, I get the point. And he's like, no do you get the point? And he's like, yeah, I get the point. And this goes on a fair bit. Yeah. And it, it ends with the stiletto heel to the eye. He's like, oh, now you get the point. Yeah. And that's uh, moustache gone. And that's moustache gone. Max's brother's still looking for Max. Um, funny man throws him in a paper plane. So he unfolds his paper plane and I shit you not, it's a letter that he's wrote, claimed to be Mick Jagger, <laughs> asking him to join the Rolling Stones back in the 70s. Yeah, so the idea is that Mick Jagger has sent Max a uh, letter in 1976 um, asking if Max's brother is available to be a guitarist <laughs> with them. Um, but also, I, I, also, if Max's brother's unavailable, could they get Ronnie Wood to do it? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Max's brother's absolutely fuming because he thinks that Max has you know done him over from being in the Rolling Stones <laughs> do you think Mick Jagger's actually seen this film no <laughs> That's no I don't think he has um, so Max is then pushed out in a shopping trolley well, Max's brother yells, bastard, really loud, yeah, which makes the, the light bulbs break. Yeah. But the lighting isn't affected by it. And Max, yeah, in a trolley, goes flying towards his brother for some reason. Goes out the window. But it goes out the window instead and falls into Sod's Law. Yeah. Um, the same village that Pauline Black's in. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Pauline, we go back to her and now uh, she has a standoff with uh, Funny Man, who's now in a sombrero. Yeah, he's dressed like a Mexican, so they're doing the whole Wild West theme. Yeah, um, 
he pulls some he pulls two guns out and he shoots her hair and somehow gives her antlers. <laughs> yeah. Completely misses her and gives her antlers. And uh, and then she starts shooting lasers out of her hands. Yeah, she reciprocates by shooting lasers out of her hands. He's like, oh, oh no, oh you bitch. Oh, <laughs> oh god, oh. And then he runs off. Um, he then gains a Rasta wig. Uh, and we get a whole five minutes of cultural appropriation. Yeah, we do a little bit. He's he's laying he's now laying on this Jamaican accent. Yeah, Mac Max's brother. So he's with Max's brother, and Max's brother thinks he's having some sort of uh, flashback, like acid flashback. Uh, but it's just funny man pretending to be a Rastafarian. Yeah, and, and listing off like all these dead celebrities. Yeah, saying so that the gods telling, want him. He's telling Max's brother that he's being called to greatness by all these dead rock stars. Yeah, and then he, he breaks character halfway through and does a bit of fourth wall breaking again. He's like, I haven't got a fucking clue what I'm talking about. No, neither do I. Um, it's fine. It's nice to hear someone admit it. And then they're rudely interrupted by Pauline saying, get back down here, you little rat. <laughs> <laughs> and then she starts... <laughs> Like blowing up she the village. She blows everything up, and, and then, then the gnomes and shit. And then she ends up on some hay, and funny man climbs out of her. Yeah. To kill her, like. Yeah. yeah so in a quite messy kill as well. Yeah. Isn't it? He just starts, um, yeah, just like escapes from her body. I thought yeah. she was having some sort of <clears> orgasm, <throat> but then it turns out it's funny man climbing out of her. Yeah. Yeah, and then he says, it's, it's like my old dad used to say, they don't like it in them. And it's like, uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know what that is. That, that joke didn't really land. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, Max's brother's now in a gold suit, um, playing guitar, and he, he has a microphone, and we get a musical number where he yeah. sings the song Rock and Roll Heaven. He does, we get a beautiful musical number. Very generic um, rock song. <laughs> And uh, in a sequence that has definitely not aged Ooh, very well at all. Not aged well. We have Funny Man dressed as convicted paedophile Jimmy Savile. He wasn't convicted. Was that's, he not? No, he died before it he all did. came out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Jimmy Savile was um, a famous TV, you know, really famous. He was Sir Jimmy Savile before he died. And he uh, was a radio DJ and presenter, and he presented a a, TV, a very popular TV show called Jim Will Fix It, where people wrote in and he made people's dreams come true. And he worked a lot with children's hospitals and such. And he, he died, he, he must have died 20 years ago, a while ago. He died, best part of 20 years ago, he died. And... After he died, it all sort of came out that he abused a lot of these children in this children's hospital uh, that he was the patron of. Um, but obviously, no one was aware of this in 1994. Um, but it adds another level to this scene. Yeah, and uh, essentially this is, a, this is a play on Jim Will Fix It. I think essentially the idea is that He's Max's brother, Max's yeah, brother to be a rock star, 
Um, it just doesn't sit well. I now. never thought we'd have to explain the backstory of Jimmy <laughs> yes. Savile on the podcast. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think that was something I'd have to. Real life horror. Talk about and trash. There we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Max's brother, in one of the most bizarre deaths in the film, gets covered in gold whilst he's playing a guitar solo. He flies out of the house and he becomes a, the moon and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, how to, I don't know what to say. That, that's what happens. That, that's it. Max wants to know who the fuck Funny Man is um, and Funny Man gives him a Joker card, the one from the start of the film and then he's like, oh. And I'm sitting there like, hang on a minute. So... I'm glad that explains it to you because that still makes no sense to me. Well, Funny Man's like, this is my card. Yeah. Like, this is my business card. Yeah, so... Yeah, and it's the Joker card. I don't fucking get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, we then show the mental institute where Christopher Lee is building a card tower. Um, we get a Nurse Ratchet parody don't we yeah one flew over the cookie's nest shit i even think she's trying to sound like louise fletcher yeah and she's walking through and she gets to christopher lee's room and she said oh playing with cards again why don't you start playing with people yeah and uh, christopher like, maybe i should <laughs> <laughs> the fuck um there's a radio show yeah, so now we cut to a radio DJ announcing a day-long tribute to Max's brother. I forget his Jonathan. name. Jonathan. Jonathan. Uh, so Max's brother called Jonathan. Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. Um, the rock star who died in a plane crash in 1976. <laughs> I don't get... I don't, I don't get this. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, I think it's still playing off the Jim or Fix It thing. So he made him a rock star, but he made him a dead rock star. Oh, okay. Because he made a reference to... I believe he made a reference to Buddy Holly. I see. So I think... Yeah. Um, yeah, so we get to hear the Moment of Glory. It's uh, his best-selling single. Moment of Glory. And uh, Funny Man's there having listened to it, staring out the window. He's got a cig on the go, and he's like, uh, they just don't make them like this anymore, do they? <laughs> um, and then Max is in... The mansion. I think he's in the mansion. He's... In a room that I don't think we've seen before. No, he's covered in blood. He's got three arms sticking out of his head. And he's got, like, clown makeup on. Yeah. He's, he's... Got, cl- he's got cards in his hand. He's barely dressed. Yeah. And he's sat on some sort of pole or something. And he just starts giggling. Does he say, yeah. oh, that's funny? Yeah, and then it just ends. And then the film ends. And uh, we get a song in the credits where Funny Man is breaking the fourth wall again. He's like, oh, you on the third row. It's like, oh, I wouldn't shag that or a barge pole or something like that. He's like, are you anyone here from Leicester? Give him a hand. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And that's the fucking film. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's, I mean, talking about it, it sounds even more bizarre than when we were watching it. I just, I don't understand what the message is. I don't understand what the point was. No. 
No, I don't, I don't I mean, like I said, you know, the well-known fact is the fact that everybody who made this film was high on drugs. Yeah, I didn't get half the jokes. I mean, I did. I, I thought they were hilarious. Um, I mean, obviously not so much the Jimmy Savile one and... Uh, yeah. You know, when he's uh, trying to put on his Jamaican accent. But uh, other than that, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it was funny because it wasn't funny. I, I don't know if it was so bad it's good. I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I gave it um, a three out of five on Letterboxd. Okay. What, what would you give it? I'd give it a solid one and a half. One and a half? Maybe two. Being generous. <laughs> um... But yeah, I mean, I'd watch it again. I wouldn't say I'd never watch it again because it is entertaining. But I think I'd only watch it if we're in a company of a lot of the people. I, I wouldn't like... Yeah. It, it's one of those. Yeah, it, it's very much an audience film. Um, like, if this was shown at the cinema, I think it would be a fantastic experience. I think the kills were good. The kills are great. What's your favourite kill? Uh Oh, yeah. My favourite kill was probably... Uh, poor old Velma. Yeah. And the flying brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't really argue with that one. That was... Yeah, it's close to... That or Pauline's one. Mainly for the special effects. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I said, I mean... If, if only... I would say check it out if yeah. you're into that Oh, sort of yeah, thing. definitely check it out. Um, You know, it, it is horrible and uh, trash to a certain extent all in yeah, one. Yeah, it's just brainless... Isn't it? You yeah. You just sit there and watch it. You yeah. You have to think about it, but, you know, I didn't find it particularly entertaining. It's uh, British cinema at its finest. <laughs> yeah. Up there with Merchant Ivory. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was Funny Man. That was Funny Man. That was I'm, Funny I'm Man. I'm sorry we haven't got much to analyse. Yes. Yeah. I mean, take from it what you will. Yeah. Just, I, I think somebody took a lot of drugs and, you know, threw together some ideas and was like, oh shit, let's make a film of this. Yeah. And they did. If only as much effort went into the scripts that did the uh, set designs. That's very true. Well, we will be back on Friday because it's double episode week and we have an original versus remake episode for you in which we'll be discussing the original and remake versions of When a Stranger Calls. Yes. So yes, check back for that on Friday, and uh, yeah, so if you're listening on iTunes, we would be very grateful if you could rate, review, and subscribe, like and follow and everything else. Uh, if you're on social media, tell us if you've seen Funny Man, um, if you enjoy it, if you're just as confused as we were. Uh, we're Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horror Court Trash on Twitter, I'm Gazmo205 on Instagram, GazCruz92 on Twitter, and DeadLightGaz92 on Letterboxd. I am Kusbarker823 on Letterboxd, Instagram, and Twitter. And yeah, so uh, that is all. That's we it. will see you on Friday. See you soon. Bye.